You're listening to Uprising, the Rebuilt Student Podcast. Youth ministry isn't easy, and you don't have much time. That's why this is a car ride's worth of content to help you reimagine, revive, and rebuild youth ministry. Welcome to Uprising, the Rebuilt Student Podcast. I'm Allie, your host, and in today's Car Rides Worth of Content, we will be starting our new series about recommitting to relational ministries with teens. But before we jump in, I am joined by Daniel Miller. Daniel, what are you loving today? Allie, we are very excited (laughs) about going to a conference, which, how long has it been since we went to a conference? A couple of years, at least. Yeah, I think 2019. Yeah. So we're going to the Orange Conference mm-hmm. in just uh, a couple of weeks. And Orange, we talk about often on here. This is my mm-hmm. first time doing Orange Conference. We've been to some other kind yeah, of day events. they have the remote ones that kind of travel around, but this is the yeah. first full one. And your first time as well, right? Yes. So it's for anybody that works in kids, student ministry, um, anyone that's trying to connect with parents or mm-hmm. doing anything related to that sort of work. Yeah. Uh, and we're just really excited to go. Yes. Wait, I want to jump on that because now at conferences, conferences is what I'm loving because we're going to two conferences coming up. We are so, so grateful and blessed over here at Nativity that we're able to do that this year and catch up for lost time. And conferences are also such an opportunity to be fed to personally as someone um, in ministry working with teens and kids. So I'm just really looking forward to all that. And it's always so much fun fellowship too. If you bring ministers with you, some of your volunteers, other parents, whoever you can get to go along with you, it just makes for an awesome time together. It does, especially right now as we get to the end of the ministry year, you feel Mm -hmm. really renewed and ready to go for planning for summer and everything else. Yes, exactly. So we are looking forward to that. And as we, I'll just note, we did say the Orange Conference does travel too, which is an awesome opportunity. So if you aren't able to fully travel all the way to Atlanta for the full Orange Conference, you can do research and see if they're coming to a city near you um, and just get that day event benefit of it as well. Yep. So we are in the first week of our new series, Recommitting to Relational Ministry. I mean, have you noticed a difference in teens and preteens since the pandemic? Inter, I know I have, because <laughs> interpersonal relationships and communication was challenging before, but it even more so is now. And we, as the church, are one of the places teaching teens to communicate. So relationships are always, we talk about a lot here, at the heart of what we do. So how do we continue to build them? It is difficult. I never thought that I would be a communications teacher, but I feel like that's a lot of what we're doing yes. now. Um, so a couple of years ago, I led a small group of ninth grade. Well, they started in eighth grade, and then I took them into ninth grade boys. And I was really trying to invest in this group and get to know them well. And I did with a few of them, and they've they've become pretty regular participants. But uh, trying to get to know their interests. And at one point in the year, one of them jokingly said, that I should just bring them all lunch at their schools. And so I think I surprised him and I just said, all right, I can do that. Uh, And I did. Um, I started just making plans with each of them to kind of show up on their campus, made sure it was all kosher and that I was doing it in the right way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would just show up with whatever kind of food they wanted, Chick-fil-A or Taco Bell or whatever. (laughs) And it was honestly kind of 
not as effective as I thought it was going to be. It didn't really resonate like I was hoping that it would because it was a it was a fairly big investment to yeah. go and, and do that, even though there were some schools that had multiple boys that I could hit at the same time. Um, but I, I just have found that it's harder to build the relationships than it used to be. Mm-hmm. I still go to plays um, for students. We just went through play season and it was great. I mean, I loved seeing the students on the stage. You get to maybe see their parents. I think the parents appreciate it when you come out. But the students after the plays would just kind of come out, you know, say hi to you, politely say thank you, and then go to see their friends. It really wasn't a connection point like I felt like it has been in the past. So it just seems like it's harder to connect with students than it used to be to build those relationships. But this is not a time to give up. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's a time really to imagine our methods again. We still need relationships. Teens still need relationships more than ever. That's not what's changed. It's not that they don't need relationships anymore. And they need mentoring relationships more than ever. Yeah, so where does that relationship start? We think the ticket for entrance into a relationship with teenagers is one thing. It's simple, but it is not easy. Just like everything else with teens, right? We say that all the time. It is simple, but not easy. If you want teens to be open to talk to you and share about their life, then you have to model that for them. The entrance ticket for a relationship with teens is vulnerability. So how do you show vulnerability? Some of it is basic, but we're gonna just say it anyways and go through it. One way to show that vulnerability is to tell personal stories. Obviously keep it appropriate for the age group and don't be oversharing things like your sexual past or talking about failed relationships with people they might know. But have some stories in the bag about your personal journey, especially as life intersects with faith. Two, use I language. The story needs to be yours in the first person. I struggle with, I didn't quite understand back then. I wasn't sure what God was trying to tell me. It's a defense mechanism a lot of times for us to say, well, I have a friend who blah, 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 blah. But the impact is so much larger because there's vulnerability there when you own that it's your story and make that personal connection. And the third is timing is key. You don't want to just lead off by asking the question and answering it with a big story yourself. So you can warm them up, give them opportunities to share for themselves, maybe even a few weeks or months in when the topic comes up and there's a lull in conversation. The opening is there then. So vulnerability, it's its kind of an odd thing to really put into words what that means. Um, so Ali opened with a few tips there, but... I'll just share a story of a group that we had. This was a group that had some great leaders and they graduated last year. Um, these group, this group went all the way through with one of their leaders, Andrew, and he really knew all of those boys. At the end of the year, uh, of senior year, we always have the leaders come up and talk about each of the members of the group, what their plans are post high school. And Andrew was invested in this group. He had been with them for at least all through their high school years. And Andrew is a great leader. He's humble, he's fun, he serves all over our church, not just in student ministry. He has a great family, really healthy balance in in his life. He's just a great role model. Scott was his co-leader for part of that time, not the whole time that they were in high school, but Scott looked at Andrew and felt like he really couldn't measure up because of the guy that Andrew was. Scott plays poker with his buddies. He loves sports and beer and pranks. He will admit that he cusses sometimes. Ah. I know. (laughs) He goes to church faithfully, but he also has doubts. 
So actually, from our perspective, they were a great pairing and they worked mm-hmm. together really well. Um, and they had very different perspectives and stories to tell. The boys in this group had two leaders that they could build a relationship with. And some were going to be drawn to Andrew. Andrew, that would have been me, I think, just because that's more my personality, mm-hmm. um, his steadiness and kind of his his quiet leadership. And some would have been drawn to Scott. And I think that was many of the boys in the group. Um, and so I think Scott's realness was a lot more valuable to that group than Scott realized. Mm-hmm. He was a little afraid of his vulnerability because he thought that expressing his doubts or cussing once in a while in the group would cause us to slap him on the wrist or cause his boys to lose respect for him or lose faith or whatever. Um, and so that made him nervous. But actually, in our experience, Scott's realness would do the opposite. It's not that we want everyone cussing and telling frat <laughs> stories, but Scott was really relatable. Boys could see themselves in him and that was appealing. Scott just needed to be himself and share how faith and life intersected for him. Yeah, vulnerability gives teens reassurance that they belong. It makes you relatable to them. They need to see themselves represented in the room. One of the questions teens ask is, who is like me here? When they come into a new place, that's one of the first things that pop into their mind. So what's the key to being vulnerable? We're going to give you just a couple pointers here. First, have stories in your back pocket. Sometimes stories will come up and come to you in the moment. And that's great. There are times to share them. But an even better approach is to prepare. Look at the questions ahead of time. Think about the topic. Reflect on your own experiences and have a story or two that you can tell. You may use them. You may not. Either way, you're ready if the opportunity comes. So number one, have stories in your back pocket. Number two, bring it back to Jesus. So telling unrelated funny stories can be great. That's a big part of small group. You should laugh together. But really what we're trying to get at are the vulnerable stories, and they have a point. So Scott, this leader, is a great storyteller. He can really (laughs) tell some tall tales where you kind of wonder if the whole story is true or not. Um, It's just fun to be around him. But he could also tell some stories about being vulnerable and a vulnerable one is that ends one that ends with you bringing the situation back to Christ, back to your faith. What did you learn from that situation? What mistake did you make? What would you do differently as a result? How did your faith grow? So it always comes back to Jesus. So have stories in your back pocket, bring it back to Jesus. And the third is to laugh at yourself. Part of being vulnerable is not taking yourself too seriously, kind of having that ownership and confidence in who you are um, when you share those pieces of yourself. I led a group of a group of girls through middle school, um, but when they were in seventh grade, we had a topic that week where we were doing a whole series on relationships and we were talking about conflict that week in particular. And I remember sharing really in a laughing way because my co-leader happened to be my best friend since middle school. So she knew exactly how I deal with conflict. And I'm the kind of person who really shuts down. I will just silent treatment. I will just stop talking, remove myself from a situation um, when I'm hurt. And so I shared that along with my co-leader. 
just laughing and reminiscing about the times I had done it to her. She's sitting right next to me and just how silly in hindsight I know it is and how it's not the way I should react, but it just happens. Um, but really in a lighthearted way, which was a great opportunity to open the conversation because seventh grade girls had never really thought critically about how they react to conflict or how they react to being hurt by their friends. So two best friends sitting there as co-leaders laughing, picking a little bit of fun at how I handle those moments between our own friendship opened that conversation and reflection more for them. So laughter always does go a long way, even if you're laughing at yourself a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And hopefully these stories open that uh, avenue up to be able to laugh at yourself. All right. Well, we will end with one bright idea, as we always love to do. One idea that will help you with this is to write storytelling into your small group questions. So if you're having a night on pain, get everyone talking about their worst injuries. Yeah. Guys especially, but I think girls like this too. Oh, yeah. Talk about your battle wounds. Mm-hmm. If you're having a night on parents, ask your teens about the weirdest <laughs> rules that they have in their house. If you're having a night on failure, share about your most embarrassing moments. There are just opportunities to tell stories. You can write those into your small group questions to enhance Um, those opportunities. Yes, absolutely. Open that conversation. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We love you all very much. Join us next time as we continue our series and discuss the power of one-on-one moments.